Welcome back to this week's episode of Breslin Breakdown. I'm your host, Allie Cohen, alongside my beat partners, Joe Des and Tim Marshall. We're missing beat member today, Faith Flickinger, but we can make up for that. We have a lot to talk about and get through. Why don't we start with a question of the day, though, kind of on theme with the team traveling to Cancun. What is everyone's favorite vacation spot they've been on? Went to the Cayman Islands once. That place was awesome. Cayman Islands, we spent like a week there. It was right next to the water, too. The water there is so blue. It was sweet. Very cool. Um, I haven't traveled that much, but I've been to uh, Clearwater, Florida two times. Went for a week both times. Great experience. A lot of fun down there. Especially all of us from up north getting down to Florida during the winter and avoiding that the tough winters is, is very nice. That is nice. I'm like, I'm not much of a beach girl, but the nice heat during yeah. like winter break is the best. For me, though, I'm going to go with Colorado. It's the last place I went. I went last spring break, and I got to ski in Breckenridge and Vail. So <laughs> I got to go with that. That's probably my favorite one so far. Yeah, Colorado's pretty sweet spot. I was in Florida a week ago, and I came back. My car was covered in snow. It was mm. the rudest awakening right when I got back. Yeah. It was not fun coming back from spring break and all my roommates being super tan, and I was just as pale as always. <laughs> but speaking of tan, the team probably got some tan when they were out in Cancun. We have a lot to catch up on. We haven't met in almost a month due to break, and the team's having some breaks. But since we last went, Michigan State went 5-1, and one, defeating Wright State, U of D, Evansville, and then they traveled to Cancun where they faced against JMU and and Creighton, which they only followed Creighton this stretch. And then they came back and then traveled for their true their first true road game since the one in Kinkun was a neutral site, where last night they defeated DePaul. We're going to kind of skip some of those earlier ones, but we can start off with the Cancun Challenge. First off, Michigan State played James Madison, where they defeated them 95-69, to they were led by Julia Ayralt with a new career high of 25 points and 15 rebounds, and she was named on the All-Cancun Challenge team. Abby Kimball reached a new career high of 21 points, and Tori Osmond had a season high of 16 points. Ten different Spartans touched the floor. What do you guys think? I know that this one wasn't televised, so it was a little harder for us to see, but if you guys checked up on that at all. Yeah, the fact that Julia Ayrault came in as a guard has blown my mind. Now she's the main starting center or forward, however you want to put it, for women's basketball. In fact, she got 25 points, 15 rebounds, averaged a double-double to earn, earn her spot in the all-tournament team. It really is a testament to how much she's improving. And Abby Kimball, throughout the summer, I was excited to see what she would do this season. She spent the entire time in the gym. She would always post videos about it. You can see that paid off, 21 points. It's wild. Yeah, and it's good to see um, different people kind of breaking out for the Spartans. We had Didi and Mo Joyner. They were the leading two of the first couple games. Now Aralt came in with 25, Kimball with 21. It's just good to see more people taking more of a, a grip on the offense and con- and just contributing more. Yeah, Didi is not going to shoot 81% from three every single night. The fact that somebody yeah. is stepping up and making mm-hmm. it so she doesn't have to do the superhuman feats to win is just going to be huge come playoff time and play come uh, in conference time as well. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it, but it really is nice that obviously they have the players who can be the person that's relied on every game, but they don't need to. Someone else almost every game has really picked up the slack and had a 20-plus point game. 
Oh my yeah, I just really like that. And then I'm looking at the box score right now. Like obviously, like we talked about Julia, Abby, Didi, but or Tori with the sixteen, but every single Spartan that touched the floor in this game scored except for Lauren Ross. Who although she didn't have any points, she had three rebounds and two assists. So everyone on the floor is benefiting in some way. Yeah, for Lauren Ross, it's pretty nice to see about her. She never loses her confidence with shooting. There's that old Dion Waters quote that I feel like to joke about where it's, I'd rather miss 25 times and miss once or something like that and stop shooting. And Lauren Ross went 0-5 that game, 0-3. Starting to bounce back in the next few games, hopefully, and just trying to find her footing still at this point. Someone else in this game who stuck out to me in every single game, Joe and I got to call the game last night remotely, Mary Meng, the freshman, every time, every single game she stepped foot in so far, she has put points on the board. Yeah, Mary Meng came over from Bowling Green, was originally committed there. She's still a freshman, so never actually played a single minute there. But then Robin Frelick came in. Frelick has really changed the culture of this team. It's all around campus. There's a new coach, Smith, coming in. There's Tom Izzo. All the programs, obviously Nightingale for the hockey program. Every program has found a coach who was really just input of the same culture, putting in your full effort every single game. Mm-hmm. Every single coach that athletic director Alan Haller has brought in has done tremendous for Michigan State so far, and I think that that is showing off right now for the women's team. Tim and I were talking before this, and we can get into some of this stuff later, but Tim thinks, and I agree also, that this team has a very good chance of being ranked Oh, I think so next too. week. In fact, they are keeping up with the competition that they have. They lost to Creighton, but Creighton was ranked, I believe, 22nd at the end of the yeah. season. We can and, move on to that Creighton game also. If you yeah, and they yeah. At, at halftime, they were up on Creighton. There was a point where they had Creighton in their grasp and they fell, but for DePaul, and the game that we're going to talk about a little bit er- later, they've gone to 18 of the last 19 NCAA tournaments. Michigan State has a real shot at this year. Mm-hmm. And then, Tim, did you have anything else about that JMU game? I know we really didn't get to watch it, so you're... Uh, yeah, no, nothing more. Just a, a good, another 95-plus point game. Uh, the, just the offense really can explode when when given the shot to. Yeah, okay, so if we go into that Creighton game, Michigan State did fall 83-69. to They were led by Mo Joyner with 13 points and 7 rebounds. Only 7 Michigan State Spartans saw the floor of this game. They all contributed. Almost all of them had double figures. And there are five different lead changes, but Mich- like Joe said, Michigan State did leave at, or lead at the half. Big thing about this game is the fact that this is the first game where Michigan State has really had the starters still in in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter has mm-hmm. really just been player around time for the bench players before this one. Now Creighton was actually able to stop them. Mo Joyner scored 13 points, Kimball 11, Jocelyn Tate 11, Julie Aroll 11. Hageman picked a pretty bad time to have a quiet game. Finally came back down to earth, 2 of 10, 0 of 2 from behind the arc. Didn't make a single shot from behind the arc. Tori Osmond helped pick up some of the slack, 11 points there. This is Michigan State's first time this season scoring under 40% from the field. It was 39.4%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coach, Coach Freilich has preached uh, playing a full 40 minutes, and this is just a game where they fell behind. They they started well, but when you play a, a competitive team like Creighton and you shorten the bench, I think some of the players just got a little bit tired. Uh, in the third quarter, they only shot 26% from the field, and then 35 in the fourth. Those aren't great numbers. They didn't for a team that's so good shooting the three pointer. They only they missed all four three pointers they took in the fourth quarter. I think uh, when they just can't hit shot, they're very dependent on making shots, and when they just don't fall, it's going to be tough for them to win games. 
Yeah, it can mm-hmm. be extremely tough. But at least the bright side, they shot 39% from three throughout the whole game. I, Tim, you pointed out, oh, four in the fourth quarter is yeah. just disastrous. You can't really come back from that. Yeah, and then well, that's one of the things that all the teams that Michigan State have been playing so far, they really need to defend that arc if they want to st- slow down Michigan State's scoring as they are one of the top teams in the country from behind the arc. So Korean did a great job at slowing that down. Yeah. And then also... Like Tim said, shooting 26.3%. In all of their games so far this season, not counting yesterday, including this Creighton game, they've outscored opponents 146-86 to in the third, including this game. Second and third quarter, they've been going off. In the third quarter, like you just said, they've outscored the other team by 60 points. Second quarter, they've outscored teams by 92 points. The middle of the game is really when they've been feasting. And even with the 39.4% field goal percentage in that game, they're still second in the nation. In field goal percentage, 52.4%. That's unheard of. That's something that you don't really see around the Michigan State women's basketball team. And now they're really just finding their footing and starting to take off. And while that Creighton game was a loss, I think a big reason of it is because of the double-edged sword of playing that easy competition in the beginning. When they got to the fourth quarter, they were able to get the younger bench players in, get them some playing time. But on the other end of the sword, they were unfortunately able to get their players not, or they weren't able to get their players conditioned enough to play all four quarters. Players like D.D. Hageman usually wouldn't play in the fourth, or they'd play the first two minutes, not the last eight. Abby Kimball, same situation, and a lot of players are the same thing. And that really showed out in the Creighton game. Yeah, do you guys have anything else on this one? Yeah, just when you're... Their offense will take, obviously, a little hit when they're playing better competition. It also starts on the defensive end when they're not forcing as many turnovers, when we're not seeing these 25-plus turnover games. They still had 13, which is a good number, but they just didn't convert as many points off turnovers, which we've seen, where they get the steal and then they run in transition. So hopefully that can mm-hmm. they can force that a little bit more as Big Ten play starts. Yeah, and I don't think either of you guys have mentioned this. Sorry if you had uh, went over it a little bit. But Michigan State shot 55% from free th- or the free throw line. They've been struggling the whole season, even in the games with 100-plus points. This has still been a sore spot for them. Last season, they finished dead last in the Big Ten with 67%, and really towards the bottom of the country in their free-throw shooting. And obviously, the season is just starting, and there's still time to improve, but they're still shooting 67%. I didn't look at the national rankings, but that is still dead last in the Big Ten for free-throw shooting. And we did get past or the team did get past all of their more easy scheduled games. And we saw against the Creighton game, yes, they lost by more than eight, but that could have helped. Could have helped drastically, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason it's called the charity stripe. It's supposed to be free points that you're Mm -hmm. given without real work, and they just can't capitalize there lately. One last thing on the Creighton game I want to touch on too. Michigan State, they've been fourth in the nation in assists per game. They've averaged 23.3 assists per game. That game they had 10. And they only had two in the second half when it really went downhill for them. So they just need to continue playing their style of uh, offense, being fast, moving the ball, and shooting threes. They only shot five in the second half, even mm-hmm. if you're missing them. Like the Dion Waiters quote that uh, Joe has referred to, go down swing, be 0 for 30. I, and I doubt they will. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. So I think they just need to get more attempts from outside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, props to Korean for being able to hold them to only two, to really just their defense stopping them, to only hold them to five attempts and only get, like just forcing them to only have two assists, stuff like that. But Michigan State and Korean's a good team. As Joe said earlier, at the beginning of the year, they started 
ranked 22nd. They aren't anymore, but still obviously a great team. That's going to be a lot more what their Big Ten opponents are going to be like. So Michigan State really needs to be able to play with any types of defense and get around that and keep playing the type of offense that they know how to do and have just been working for them. I just want to touch on this real quick, too. For Creighton, they were able, I think they forced Michigan State to play Creighton's style of ball was a big thing. Creighton is more of an isolation-type scoring team. Lauren Jensen, 32 points. Morgan Molly, or Morgan Malley, 26 points for her as well. Rest of the players, only one of them topped double digits, and the rest of them had under five points each. And another aspect, that free throw line comes in yet again. They were only 5 of 21 from behind the arc for three-pointers, but from free throw land, they were 18 of 20. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, there's... If those free throws went different ways, then then it would have been definitely a different different ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can move on to the yeah. next game now. I didn't even realize that. Shooting 90%, 18 for 20, that's incredible from the line. Michigan State, they've been to the line 20-plus times in multiple games this season. Really need to capitalize on that. Yeah, they have to if they want to win against, the, especially the in-conference opponents. Mm-hmm. And as we move on, we could say that the Spartans were a little upset over that, that last game. They knew some of the mistakes they made, and they went into Chicago and destroyed DePaul, who is not a bad team, 102-64. to 64. We jo- ta- oh, oh, you we, can keep going. Yeah, we talked about a little bit earlier how DePaul has been 18 in the last 19 NCAA tournaments. They're not a bad team. They're coached by a legendary coach. Robin Fralick has not shied away at all at any point. She kept piling the points on. Mo Joyner, you've talked about her for years now, Allie. 26 points, a career high. Yeah, so like Joe said, they're led by Mo Joyner, a new career high. Five different Spartans had double digits. Theron Halleck, she's been kind of quiet so far this year. Last year, she played for Michigan State a lot in the non-conference and then really slowed down once they started conference play. But she had a new career high. 14 points, 5 assists. She hit, Joe, is it 3 or 4 three-pointers? Four three-pointers. She hit four three-pointers. Before that, she'd only hit one in a single game. So her highs all around. Michigan State shot 60% from the field, 45 from three. And we did see an improvement at the line as they shot 73%. Only went to the line 11 times, but they were 8 for 11 from the line. At least they're slowly improving when they get to the line. Lauren Ross still is going through that rough streak of not hitting any shots in her last couple appearances. Hopefully she'll shake that off. She had 13 minutes in that game, a good amount of time. Mary Meng, though, came in four points right away. She came in three minutes. Mary Meng, her plus minus or her per 36 minute stats would be insane to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really capitalized in the few minutes she's gotten. Uh, I I loved the way they played early. They were playing very fast. They got back to their tempo. Uh, even though they weren't really allowing that many stops, they allowed 24 points to DePaul in that first quarter. But after that, the second quarter, they just really shut them down. Eight points. Another one of those single-digit quarters where they just they really bear down on defense and don't let the other teams get anything. Yeah, they held the team to eight points. Even if they only scored 17 in that quarter, that's still plus nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something that Joe mentioned in the broadcast yesterday, he said this team is almost like a sandwich where the second and third quarters are like the big, what did you even say, Joe? Yeah, (laughs) so the the first and fourth quarters are kind of the crust. It's kind of the worst part of it. Mm -hmm. The second and third quarters are where the meat and the cheese is all held right there. It's what people want and where they've been really showing out. It's been their best part of the game so far. Mm -hmm. But in this game, it was was reversed, and they still did have good second and third quarters shooting 44% and 
58%, but in the first and the fourth, they shot at 69% both times. That is crazy. When you're hitting almost 7 out of 10 of your shots, you're going to win the game. That's how it is. DePaul really fell into that hole after that third quarter, and then that fourth quarter, Michigan State, this whole season, we've been talking about them laying their foot off the gas. They finally didn't do that. Plus 13 in the fourth quarter, topping 100 points yet again. Yeah, 99 hasn't been a problem after those first few games. They've definitely gotten to triple digits. It was their first time since 2018 hitting triple digits on the road in a true road game, which is uh, very impressive. Something you don't see often. This program's on the rise. I- I'm excited to see the rest of the season. I, last year, the beginning of the season kind of tricked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They went on insane run, and then they fell when in-conference play started. This team's just looking a lot more well-rounded because a lot of those games at the beginning of last season, people would take a backseat to Kamaria McDaniel, kind of just watch what she would do. Yeah. And Kamaria, while she was a great scorer, shot about 39% from the field last year and not an efficient shot because she was that main focal point all the time. She would have double teams. She would have people knowing she was going to be the shooter. Now, this team can strike you from any position on the floor. Biggest part, Abby Kim will not be in sick this season. Yeah. Last, last season, I don't know the exact sicknesses that she got, but they took her off the floor for quite a while. Now she's come back deadly from behind the arc. Yeah, it's a very connected team on and off the court. You saw a little scuffle in the third quarter where um, Jocelyn Tate uh, was kind of bumped in. There was a little yeah, the bump. back-to-back text. Yeah, the back-to-back text, and then... You saw Dee Dee coming in again. She's been kind of the enforcer where mm-hmm. she won't really let anybody else kind of mess with this team. I think they're a very they are a very connected team that really wants other people to do well. They love when someone goes off for twenty and then the next night it's someone else. I think that's a a good quality to have in a team that's looking to go far. You can see the chemistry in the team. Me and Allie yeah. talked about it on the broadcast last night. I don't remember exactly which player it was early in the season. Might have been Bree Robinson, might have been one of the other younger players. Didi Hageman did the exact same thing for her, one of the earlier games of the season. Might have been Oakland, one of those games. Player got in their face. Didi Hageman came right up, said, you're not talking to my teammate like that. And I was talking about how she does that for the younger players. Allie pointed out on the broadcast yesterday that Tate came in as a transfer this year. She, While mm-hmm. she's not a younger player, she's still a junior, same grade as Didi. That was something that I believe will solidify her bond with this team, knowing that someone has her back at this school that she just came to. Definitely. That's a great quality as a leader. You want to have the backs of the players around you. I definitely can see a difference between this season and last season with the team chemistry, which some people might think is interesting, obviously, with the way or the fact that there's a new coach, almost a completely new staff. Some players left. There's obviously a few transfers brought in, but... There's such a different chemistry that's, and they seem a lot more tight knit. And I feel like some people might think, oh, all that change kind of created a bit of like adversity and just kind of made the team like break into, oh, you were here last season. You were, you're new. You came from Bowling Green. You did this, that. But I feel there's so much inclusion and togetherness with this team. And you can tell by the way they play. Yeah. I think last year, a big thing was there was a lot more isolation scores. There's Kamara McDowell, there's Matilda Eck. Mm-hmm. Both of them leaving has opened up the team to be a pass-heavy team yeah. and just let everyone contribute. I'll be honest, like at the beginning of the season, or at the end of last season, whenever Matilda X announced that she was transferring, I was a bit worried for this team, and I'm so glad that I've been proven wrong. There's absolutely no need to be worried. Every We see it every single game. A different player can put up 26 points or 20-plus points. And obviously with that, there is the people who have been pretty consistent Didi has been pretty consistent, minus that one six-point game. Mo Joyner has scored 10-plus points in every single game this season, 
Julia Ayrault's just been explosive in these past few days, and she's a captain. Hopefully she can keep that up. I'm loving the way she's been playing on both sides of the court, but this team is perfectly fine, I think. Yeah, we talked about her offensive stats, but for Ayrault, three blocks per game. You don't see that that much in women's hoops. I have it later in the notes, but Ayrault is currently ninth nationally in blocks with 20 (laughs) and 10th nationally with blocks per game. So that's an insane stat for her. She's just been so, so good. I mean, obviously we already talked about this, but 15 rebounds in that game against JMU. Like, she's just been so explosive, and it's really good to see from someone who has dealt with a lot of injuries and other things like that, had to redshirt a full season, had injuries in other season that set her for half a season. So it's really just good to see that senior leader or that finally get her time to shine. I think having so much time taken away from her being on the court makes her appreciate the moment so much more. And She's putting every bit of effort that she can on every single play. You see how much effort she puts in, whether it's grabbing something from the block, reaching over two players to take it away from them, or just doing the dirty work on the defensive end, getting down low, standing up, and making sure she's tall for the block. She's been everywhere on both sides of the mm-hmm. floor. And I accidentally said senior. I meant grad student, but... Between her, Mo Joyner, and Tori Osmond, all three of our grad student players have really, I think, just been making this season. This is it. They haven't made the tournament in two years. They've had some tough losses. They dealt with COVID, injuries. I think all of them really just want to make this season their own and really take charge, and so far they have. I think so, too. We talked about how last year the team had a bit of a hot start. They started off 7-0, but the games that they played, none of them looked like this so far. Yeah, if you look at the plus minus, it's it's every game's pretty much average 30, 40 point wins and when when you get that dominant, you can kind of you can when it gets better competition, you'll still be winning games maybe by 10, maybe in single digit games, but you'll still be competing for sure. I think that loss to Creighton's going to be huge too because it shows them that they're not invincible and that there are teams that could mm-hmm. beat them if they're not at the top of the game. That Nebraska game on December 9th is going to be the real testament, I think. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about the Big Ten games next week as we go into winter break. And, of course, that's when most of the Big Ten games are going to start. I know. Luckily, we face most... off against Iowa then, too. Yeah, luckily all games. those are away, so we don't really get to miss them home. But sad that we can't talk about them as they're going on. But, yeah, we're going to preview the start of the Big Ten season next week and talk about all those Big Ten games and what they're going to have to do. So I think that Creighton was their first real test and said, that showed them this is what it's going to be like and even harder when you play your Big Ten opponents. So I really think that was a wake-up call for them. I think so, too. I want to see how Robin Frelick responds to all of this. That's going to be the biggest sign, I think, of what this team's got to do. Mm-hmm. Anything else specifically on that game? Uh, kind of with that game, not too, too much. That 7-0 start last year we talked about a couple times, or mainly I've talked mm-hmm. about it, I guess, a couple of times. That you got to keep in mind that Susie Merchant kind of was not around the team the second half of last season. Robin Ferrell seems like she's here to stay. I don't think this that this start, strong start is going to be smoke and mirrors. I think that's all going to culminate in something big. Yeah, that strong start last season. We have fourth beat member. Oh, she's walking away. She's doing some <laughs> eboard stuff. Shout out Faith Flickinger. She's a little busy today, but um. That start last year, I think that actually, that definitely hurt them. It gave the team false confidence, I think. And obviously they were putting up the numbers against the teams that they were playing. It just wasn't competition that was anything near that they were going to face in the rest of the season. And I think that definitely hurt them. That definitely inflated their stats a lot and hurt them because we talked in some of the Big Ten games. I'd be doing my prep with my broadcast partner last year and we'd be looking at them like, how is this, like, how are these stats comparable? And we're like, 
because they went on a 7-0 run at the beginning and just their games they played completely inflated their stats. And obviously, I would say that their stats are kind of inflated right now, but I think they're going to stay much closer to what they are right now than last year because they completely fell off once you compared, if you just isolated the conference play, you could see such a difference. But I don't think that'll happen this year. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that they probably won't be second in the nation the entire year in field goal percentage. But I think they're still going to be near the top, top 15, top 20, anywhere around there. I think they'll earn a spot. You, Tim talked about you talked about a little bit of possibly being ranked at some point here. Yeah, yeah the, the way they've started has allowed them to even slack off maybe a little bit in the Big Ten where if they start, they stay shrunk throughout non-conference and then go 500 in Big Ten play, that should still be enough for a tournament uh, appearance. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring this up real quick. I was trying to figure it out for the entire time because we talked about it a little bit earlier. Matilda X transferring. Kind of been a little bit of a blessing for the team so far. I looked at her stats. She's averaging 8.6 points, but on the field goal percentage that she has, 37% and then shooting 29% from behind the arc. Her and Kamaria, while they were scorers, they weren't that efficient overall. And now players are taking more efficient shots. There's a reason they're second in the nation right now in field goal percentage. They're just taking a lot smarter shots, a lot easier shots, moving the ball around way more. And those are winning aspects for a basketball team. You don't win when you have one mm-hmm. person scoring the ball. For sure. I think that behind the arc, it's definitely opened up so many opportunities for other players. Last season, I mean, besides the two of them, Mo Joyner was still pretty good from three-point, but you didn't see Dee Dee Hageman hitting as many as she is this year. She definitely was not hitting 63% of them. Yeah, it's the Shaquille O'Neal thing you talked about. Some yeah. people are born to ride the bus. Dee Dee Hageman's one of the drivers <laughs> of the buses so far. She has really just stepped it up this year. Yeah, 63% is insane. It definitely, I mean, it, I'd be shocked if it continued, but even if she's around 45%, that's still a phenomenal number for a three-point percentage. So She can get to 45% mm-hmm. by the end. That would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, People are happy with a 35% shear. 45% yeah. would be immaculate. All right. Do we think that we're good for this one as we move on to our only game preview of the week? The next few weeks are pretty slow because the players get a finals break. <laughs> but... Game preview, MSU plays Miami, Ohio at home on, at 2 o'clock. Joe and I will be on the call. There will be a recapper in by either Tim or Faith. So definitely look for some coverage on that. But Miami, Ohio, don't have much on them. They're currently 1-3 and three on the season, haven't played any in-conference games yet. Last season they went 12-19. They went 7-11 and 11 in the MAC conference. And Monday night they defeated... Xavier at home, 58-57 to for their first win of the year. Miami, Ohio, the fact they got their first win is obviously good. This is another one of those feeder games where Michigan mm-hmm. State is expected to win it. We've seen upsets, though. JMU was supposed to be a feeder game for the MSU men's team. Saw how that one went. We're not ranked anymore on that, on that side. But for Miami, Ohio, it should be another near 100, possibly over 100-point game. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a team that Coach Freilich knows, obviously, in the MAC from Bowling Green. So uh, hopefully she maybe has a few tells on them, knows a couple of their plays, knows how they play. So I think scouting-wise, they should be prepared for this one. Uh, yeah, another game back at the Breslin. It's been almost, uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since they've had a home game. So maybe I wouldn't be shocked if they maybe start out slow, kind of like one of these games where they're tied in the first quarter, and mm-hmm. then by the second or third, they really just explode and run away with it yeah and I mean something that really sticks out to me obviously their schedules aren't the same as obviously once conference play started 
Miami, Ohio was playing teams like BGSU and some of those other MAC teams, and obviously Michigan State was playing so many top 25 teams in the Big Ten. But a 12-19 and 19 record last season is not much different than Michigan State's record last year. Not much different at all, but like you just said, Allie, the numbers don't tell the full story. There was different competition that they were facing. Michigan State faced off against the best teams, set points. Mm-hmm. Faced off against Iowa. They yeah. lost in the championship round, the NCAA tournament. Miami, Ohio didn't have competition like they that. They did not. Michigan State did go 16-14 and 14 last year. And again, 7-10 and 10 in conference. Well, oh, Miami, Ohio went 7-11. But that conference play definitely is a different level. Yeah, and my, Miami, of Ohio has only played four games this year. So I think when you look at who's been able to work out the kinks and stuff that really hasn't worked so far, MSU's played seven games already so when you look at that i think that definitely favors the spartans yeah a pretty funny statistic to look at that i didn't realize that i was looking at is that home and away michigan state is technically undefeated it's neutral ground that's yeah. given them problems so far one thing that's really going to stick out for me in this game and i know that this won't happen because hopefully it will be around a hundred point game and no issue at all but what we talked about earlier how like against creighton only seven players played, and maybe a lot of them weren't used to playing a f- full almost 40 minutes of play. Once again, I don't expect Robin Fralick to keep Mo Joyner with 22 points and Didi Hageman with 20-plus points in for 38 minutes. But I do. I would think it would be interesting to see a somewhat smaller... A shortened um, rotation. Just a shortened mm-hmm. rotation, which, once again, I don't expect them to keep the whole thing in. But it would be interesting to see a short rotation because after this that's it then they have their big 10 game they have nebraska a week from sunday i'd say the player to watch for this game lauren ross coming off a couple of games where she hasn't scored any points on over seven attempts total so far if she does that again she probably won't see the floor for a minute during the in in conference play Mm -hmm. but if she scores big she could play herself into that tight rotation when they start cutting down to nine or eight yeah, yeah, Michigan State has the game against Nebraska. Then they have Central Michigan at home. And then there's a neutral site in Florida against Richmond. But after that, they're done. There's Penn State and Iowa number two. Are they two or four? I, I'm pretty sure. They, I know that they were one of each so far. I just don't know which one they currently are. But top five team, possibly, probably number two. Yeah, I think country. Iowa's number four right now. Oh, they oh, play they on January 2nd. My bad. Okay, yeah, yeah they play That's January 2nd. And then December 30th, they play... Penn State, which uh, both away. Yeah, yeah those, are, those are tough games, definitely. And mm-hmm. back, but just back to Lauren Ross for a second. Hopefully they can get her into some easier spots where she can just kind of catch and shoot. They've run one out-of-bounds play for her that's worked a lot of times early in the season where they just get a nice little back screen for her and she has an open three that she was converting earlier. So hopefully she can do that again. Yeah, she gets dangerous behind the arc when she's hitting shots. I believe she tore her ACL last season, so she's still recovering from that. But when she was at uh, when she was back at Western, able to shoot thirty four percent from behind the arc one year, and then next year thirty four percent again. Yeah, and that was on a lot of attempts, and that's with none of the teammates that she had now. That was where she was one of the best players, if not the best player on the team. Yeah, where she had to manufacture her own shots instead of playing this high paced moving the ball system, where she can kind of just sit in the corner and 
make open shots. Yeah, and some of the passes that you see from these players, Theron Halleck loves the no-look passes. They mm-hmm. always add a little excitement to the game. Joe, you love mentioning the no-look uh, passes. I love mentioning because every time, there's points where sometimes it doesn't really need to be done, yeah, but no, I appreciate yeah. the theatrics. She's kind of being an entertainer by selling it and looking to the left completely. It's like how Steph Curry does the turnaround jumper sometimes yeah. where he looks at the crowd, runs away. It hypes everybody up a little bit. But I think that Theron Halleck's passing, if you look closer at Didi's, Didi Hagamos won the top in the Big Ten last year in assists per game, but her passes, skip passes, jump passes, she'll do where she, a move where she reaches around, goes over her head, almost like she's doing a hook shot, passes it over the opposing center a lot of the time. Her passes have been so fluid, and they get players shut. So there's a big reason why Julia Ayrault's broken up as much as she has. Can get the ball in her hands anytime she needs to inside the block. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Or we, do we think we're good with this? I think Hopefully, that I think on everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Michigan State, obviously, we all think that they're going to take care of Miami, Ohio. No issues, a few things that they should fix, but like we said, don't think there'll be any issues on that one. When we come back next week, when we're talking about the in-conference in stuff, I think we should make some type of prediction for the break when we're oh, gone. Oh, for sure. I think that we have yeah, to Yeah, obviously, that. we don't have a prediction for, or we all are going one nothing on the week yeah, here. Yeah. So not really a need <laughs> to discuss that, but definitely as we get or as we go into the winter break, and then each week for Big Ten play, we'll definitely have some predictions. Yeah, I um, have to. Yeah. We really quickly before we go off, I mean, we've pretty much touched on all of these, but I had written down a few of the current stats for uh, Michigan State nationally. We have, they're first, obviously first in the Big Ten, but second nationally in field goal percentage, 54%. First in the Big Ten, second nationally in assist turnover ratio, plus... 1.95. First in the Big Ten, third nationally, assist per game, 23.4. Didi Hageman, 26 nationally in her assist turnover ratio. And then we already talked about A-Roll, ninth nationally in blocks with 20 and 10th nationally with her blocks per game. And while it might seem like those are inflated right now, you got to keep in mind the rest of the Big Ten, most of the country is still playing those feeder games right now. Mm-hmm. No one has really started in conference play. Yeah. And like we did discuss, they're inflated. They're not going to... S- stay this high but i don't think there's going to be a huge like we're not going to see a huge drop off yeah they might go from first or second in the nation in a lot of those categories to top 15 but that's still mean, at the top also like the individual player stats like dds and julia's those might stay similar especially the blocks like the, something like that can definitely stay yeah oh for sure the blocks yeah. could definitely stay and an aspect is just it's so nice seeing this team have multiple people that you can rely on to score the ball Dee Hageman, and Abby Kimball, even Tori Osmond puts the ball in the hoop when she needs to. That's just naming a few. Jocelyn Tate can get done. Mo Joyner can score from anywhere on the floor. Behind the arc, she's disgusting. And then Julia Arold as well. It's such a more well-rounded team than what we saw last year. If Kamaria or Eck was not going off in the game, they were most likely going to lose. Dee would sometimes come out with a spectacular game, mm-hmm. but that was not the norm. Now it has become the status quo for Dee Hageman to score over 20. Mm-hmm. Anything for you, Tim? Or we covered it all? I think we've covered it all. Uh, just excited. I think we've they've set a really good groundwork for the rest of the year. I, they've played the game the right way, and I hope that translates to tougher opponents. All right, and with that, I think we're good. I'm good. I think we've covered everything. So just be sure to follow along on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Joe and I will be on the call. I believe Tim and Faith should all be there too. It's definitely a good amount of 
coverage on that game against Miami, Ohio. Make sure to tell your friends about the podcast. You can find it at Breslin Breakdown on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, our website, impact89fm.org, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. And see you guys next week.